Oh, take your Bibles, please. We are back in uh, 3 John. And uh, if you're visiting today, we greet you and welcome you here. But uh, we've been going through 1 John, then 2 John, and now we're in 3 John. Uh, every Sunday going through a passage in these epistles. I've entitled the message today, Is There a Gaius in the House? Now, you, you would have to have been here two weeks ago to have heard the first message of, in this, because uh, Stacy preached last week, but uh, two weeks ago the message was entitled, Godly Gaius. Now, Gaius is a person, obviously, and uh, John is commending him and re- really building him up. And uh, so today we're, we're talking about, is there a Gaius in the, in the house? In other words, are there any Gaius-like people? I would say men, but I, I don't want to just uh, leave it at men, men or women, that are in the house that, are, that, are, that have the qualities of Gaius. So let me read verses uh, 5 through 8, and then I will pray. Beloved... You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey as a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Father, I pray, Lord, your blessing over this sermon. I know you put these thoughts in my mind and spirit to share today. Lord, help it to come out the way you want it to be talked about and preached today. Uh, let the, the preaching change lives, change hearts, change attitudes. But let the preaching and let our time in your word bring glory and honor and praise to you, O oh God. Lord, we're very aware that, that all across the world today, There's two dynamics going on. There's your church, the glorious blood-bought church of Jesus Christ that's pressing in, moving towards you, waiting for your return, trusting you through these difficult days. And on the other side of the coin, there are others that want nothing to do with you, and they're opposed to you. They're rebelling against you and want to just close the door to the things of God. But Lord, right now we pray that for your church we would benefit by being in your word today, whether in person or on live stream or later in the week through, uh, through the video on Facebook or YouTube. Holy Spirit, come, do your work among us. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So two weeks ago we talked about godly Gaius, uh, how John loved him, recognized him as a true man of God. He's a godly man. Uh, as opposed to, in verse number 9, Diotrephes, which we'll talk about in a minute, and even greater than Demetrius in verse number 12, who had a good testimony. A godly Gaius uh, set, the, set the pace, or set an example. If you remember, the message was entitled, actually, Godly Gaius, and you can be too. And now we're, now we're saying, is there a Gaius in the house? Um, so, if you just look at it quickly, verse number 1 He's referred to as beloved. Verse number two, he's referred to as as his soul was prospering. Verses three and four, uh, Gaius' life was a great testimony among the church. And we can be like that too. If we have the right attitude, if we make sure that our soul is prospering, if we're letting our lives testify to the world around us that God is good, we will be Gaius-like. Now, I realize when we're going through this, I mention this from time to time. I'm using New King James. I looked at the NIV this morning. There's a little differences in there, but try to bear with me uh, if you don't have New King James. But I'm basing this on the New King James Version. The point is here is that we, we must be known as a godly people, set apart as the redeemed of the Lord. How many of you remember many, many years ago, we used to sing a song called, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. And basically that was the song, but it was very, very up-tempo, very happy. And so the redeemed of the Lord must stand up and say so. Because as the redeemed of the Lord, we reflect his glory his glory shines through us to the world around us. I was 
listening to a message the other day and uh, this devotional from John chapter 8. We won't go there, but in John chapter 8, Jesus says that you're no longer slaves if you abide in my word. You, you, you are now sons or sons and daughters of God. You're no longer slaves. You've been set free. And the people that heard Jesus were, were questioning, we've never been enslaved. What are you talking about? And he's talking about the sin problem. But we've been liberated to serve the living and true God. And as such, we are a godly people. Do you understand that? We, we stand out among the people of the world because we have Christ in our hearts. We may look like the world. We may sometimes act like the world. But we believe differently than the world. In history is full of stories and exploits of godly men and godly women. We find them throughout the Word of God. We find them in the history books. We see godly people, uh, what, what contributions they've made, what difference they've made in the world. But here's the point. What they do is centered upon what Christ has done in their lives. And similar, similarly, what we do is centered upon and is based upon what Christ has done and what Christ is doing in our lives today. So our, the, the question is, are you on the team to go forward and do this? Because in all reality, God is calling us up for such a time as this. I don't need to tell you, the world is going crazy right now. I mean, you know, the pandemic, people are still getting sick with the, with the, with the, uh, the COVID. There's still problems, still fear involved with that. But lest we forget that whole thing affected the whole world. And the invasion of Russia into the Ukraine has affected the whole uh, situation in Europe and Middle East. It's affected the whole world. These are major events that are going on. Not to mention, and I want to get into all this, but the weather patterns, the, the heat, the fires, the tornadoes, all the things that are happening. One has to wonder, what is God up to? But in spite of all of that, he has called us to be a light to the world around us. Now, Gaius is a great example of this. Now, let's just look at verses 9 through 11 for just a minute, because I would make a contrast between Gaius and Diotrephes. And again, for, for the fathers, for the men, take note. <laughs> In verse 9, John says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, doesn't receive us. That's not a good thing, church. That's not a good testimony for Diotrephes. I kind of appreciate the fact that John is calling out this man. But he goes deeper. He says, therefore, when I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. Oh, boy. Pratting against us. Pratting, arguing, disputing, causing a problem, gossiping, all that stuff with his uh, malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to receive them, putting them out of the church. And he says, beloved, don't imitate what is evil. So John is saying to Gaius, listen, there will be ungodly influences, unfortunately, even in the church. Beware of them. I'll deal with it when I get there. But you, Gaius, you be strong. Don't be influenced by evil. And that's a word for the church today. We could be so easily influenced by the evil all around us. It's everywhere. So last time we looked at verses 1 through 4. Today we're going to look at verses 5 through 8, verse by verse. And then we'll make some application for today. So let's take your Bible and, and kind of flow with me as we dissect these uh, four verses, 5 through 8. He again says, Beloved... He says it in verse number one. And um, the, new, the NIV says friend or godly friend or loving friend or kind and affectionate person. But what a great way to greet somebody or to identify somebody. I may have said this last time. I'll mention it again today. Uh, what adjective do people use when they describe you? Are you known as 
the beloved or the faithful or the creative or the dependable or whatever? Or are there some other adjectives that might be used? I'll have a few more questions like that as we go through. But here, John is uh, complimenting Gaius. Beloved Gaius, um, uh, to paraphrase it, I'm complimenting you, Gaius, because you've entered into the labors of the gospel. Verse 8 refers to him being a fellow worker. But we could say that Gaius uh, is a fellow worker, a laborer of the gospel with John, and some of the others from the church. So he says, beloved, he says, whatever you do, you, you do it faithfully. I like that about Gaius. Every pastor is looking for somebody to do something and to do it faithfully. Instead of a fly-by-night, I'll do it for a week or two or a month or whatever. But, but whatever you do, Gaius, you, you do it faithfully. So the question would be, how about us? What are we doing for the kingdom of God? More personally, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? And are we, are you doing it faithfully? Well, Gaius is doing it faithfully. I would say he's doing it with excellence. And excellence and faithfulness are notable characteristics. Wouldn't you agree? Like when someone does something well and does it all the time, people take notice. Paul said to to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, whatever you do, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So Gaius had a kingdom mentality, had a kingdom view. He was pouring into the work of the church. Verse 5b, the second part of that, my translation says it like this. You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. What that means is, I know it's worded differently in different translations, but he did it for the the brothers in Christ that he knew, and he did it for the strangers in Christ or the people that he did not know. Um, And and what what that means is that it didn't matter that he didn't know them personally. He blessed them because he had a kingdom mentality. Having a kingdom mentality enables a believer to see the bigger picture. Gaius caught the greater view and purpose of the church to be a witness and to propagate the gospel. Lest we forget, one of the greatest things we can do for the kingdom of God is to advance it. Let's not lose the the mission uh, that Jesus gave to the church. We call it the Great Commission. But go into all the world and proclaim this good news. So verse number 6 continues, and it's really one sentence. Let me start at verse number 5. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for the strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. Here, the church knew that Gaius was pouring in. They recognized his love, his commitment to the cause of Christ. As in verse number three, his testimony rang out. And every now and then in the epistles, we hear little things about how the testimony of a certain group of people would ring out through the land. First Thessalonians 1 is a great example. Paul said, I don't need to tell anyone about how you turn from idols to the living God. Your testimony is going before you question. Does anybody know your testimony? Or does anybody know the testimony of this church that started in the 1950s? This church has a wonderful testimony. You have a wonderful testimony. But anyway, Gaius's life and purpose was, was a testimony to the church. And um, here, Gaius's uh, testimony is well known. He's faithful. He's dependable. He's invested. He's committed to the cause of Christ. He's committed to the work of the gospel. I like how it says it in, in the uh, New King James. Uh, we these, these people have borne witness of your love before the church. In other words, they spoke about Gaius's testimony before the church. They were they were lauding him in a sense. They were recognizing. His, uh, his ability and his giftings to be a blessing to the church. Which raises another question. Does the church know that you're committed to the cause? Does the church know that uh, you're doing your part or we're doing our part? Or does the church know that we're invested in a greater picture than just survival? 
Now, I know sometimes survival is necessary for a moment. But overall, we need to get beyond survival and begin to thrive in the Lord and to see the greater picture. Somebody is dying. I just shared earlier our dear brother Jacob, his brother, there was foul, foul play involved. And uh, there was some, some, someone's life was taken. We see it all the time here in Haverhill. Things happen. But are we seeing the bigger picture of thriving and making Christ known to those around us? So he says, verse number six, they've borne witness of your love before the church. The church in 1 Timothy 3 is, is described as the pillar and foundation of the truth. And here Gaius is receiving affirmation, recognition from the church. His love is received and appreciated. And then verse 6 continues. If you send them forward, in other words, there's people coming through. If you bless them, send them forward in their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. And so John is saying to Gaius, we can depend on your help to help these people get out and do what they're called to do. Verse number 7 explains the why of this being important. Uh, They went forth for his name's sake, which raises another question. How much are we doing for the name of the Lord and not the name of the church or the person? What are we doing for, to exalt and promote the name and authority of Jesus Christ? But they were going out in the name of the Lord, but it says that uh, they were taking nothing from the Gentiles. Some translations say from the pagans, which makes sense that they weren't collecting offerings from the people they were trying to reach. They were depending on the church to send them. And thus we uh, have many in our church, 30 plus missionaries that we support, and, uh, and we send them out to do the work. But John is speaking to Gaius. You're godly, you're faithful, you're generous. The church bears this out. Uh, and he says, please continue doing well and help these dear workers on their journey to promote and, 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 and proclaim the name of Jesus. I want to go back to that in verse number six where it says that uh, your love has been uh, before the church. The church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I know we've been talking about that one subject for several weeks now, but I can't get it out of my mind that the church, the, the, the truth is we are the church of God. The church of God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Going back to Jesus before Pilate, what is truth? I am the truth in the way. I, you know, I, I, I am the truth, Jesus said. But the truth is, Jesus is the only means of salvation. The truth is, the word of God is the only revealed word from God to humanity. The truth is that we're all sinners and we all can be saved by grace. The truth is, there's no plan B. The church is called to be a witness until Jesus comes back. And so the question is, are we, are we investing our lives into this greater cause of Christ to know him and to make him known? You may say, uh, or I, I may say to you, we have entered into the labors of prison ministry. You go to prison ministry? No, I don't, I don't go personally. I've been, but I, recently I haven't been. But we're engaged in prison ministry because we support New Brothers Fellowship. We support Leaving the Streets Ministry. So we're investing in prison ministry. If someone asks you, what does your church do? We invest in missionaries to go into the prisons. We've heard great testimonies. How people behind the wall come to know Christ and serve Jesus. You may, someone may ask, what does your church do? Well, you can say, we're we're involved in youth ministry. Right now we don't have a youth ministry, but... We support leaving the streets that's all over Haverhill ministering to young people. We support Somebody Cares New England that has a thriving youth group up on, up on High Street in Haverhill. We support those involved with human trafficking. How do we do that? We're giving financially to uh, Amira House, to Project Hope in India. We're pouring in to missionaries that have this burden to work with these people. We minister to the addicted through Teen Challenge. 
through New Life Home for Women up in Manchester. We minister to people in Latin America, South America, Europe, Middle East, Africa, the Far East. Why? We support all these missionaries that are going forward and doing a great thing for God. So I, I see new life in these, in these verses. We are Gaius-like in the bigger picture. But I want to break it down to the individual and, and raise the question, is there a Gaius in the house today? Looking for a Gaius-like person or people to stand up. Interestingly, it could be a man or a woman. It could be someone young or old or someone new to the Lord or someone mature in Christ. In recognition of Father's Day, I would, I would, I would address the men saying, man, uh, brother, father, can you become Gaius-like in your ministry to your family and your ministry to your church? So here's some things I wanted to share with you. I'm looking at the time. It's, this service got, totally got away from us, didn't it? But anyway, I'm going to give you three things to think about real quickly. I'll give you some ideas. Number one is this. Do something and do it well. Gaius, whatever, verse number five, whatever you do, you do it for the brethren and for strangers. You, you, whatever you're doing, you're doing it well. Obviously, in verse number six, his, his love was known to everyone. It was manifested in care, prayers, blessings, tangibly. Um, we don't know the particulars of his life. We don't know if he was healthy or sick or wealthy or not. All we know is that he was a giving person. He got the, the message. He, he understood the calling. He understood the mission. And so I want to ask the church, can you be Gaius-like and do something for the kingdom of God? In other words, I would encourage you to identify your gifts. You might say, I don't have any gifts. I would say, yes, you do. You've got to find them. I'll help you find them. Romans 12 talks about the grace gifts. We spent a lot of time in Romans 12 in the past. In the past. But there's some giftings in there that I'm certain people in this congregation have those gifts. I, I, I would go to um, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, when Paul said, whatever you do, whatever it is, do it for the glory of God. Know your gifts. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. And I, I don't know, but I think there might be somebody here maybe somebody on live stream that has a passion and a burden for souls. And you know what I would say? Let's start an evangelism team. Let's get a couple of people together. I'll give you literature or whatever and go out to the streets of Haverhill, at least the shopping plazas, and just begin to interact with people. Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And interact with people. You never know what you will get involved with. We've done that before. And I'll tell you, it's exciting sometimes. Because you never know what you may get involved with. But this fellowship, I think, needs an evangelism team. I'm just laying that out there. Do something for God. And do it well. And do it faithfully. Not just one time. I think one time in the church several years ago, we had somebody doing something. I think they went out once. I said, man, we appreciate it, but come on, we need some consistency here. So an evangelism team. How how about this idea? Maybe we need a a home group coordinator. We tried home groups several years ago. It didn't work out too well. But here's an idea someone put in my mind several months ago. We have Wednesday night in the Word, right? Live stream. We'll have 25, 30 people on there sometimes. It's a great opportunity. But how, how about this? Let's have three or four people that will open up your homes with your big screen TV. I'll do the teaching because I'm teaching it anyway. Get a couple of people to come over to your house and watch and listen to the teaching and have some fellowship while you're at it. Make some coffee and give out some cookies or something. Home group. It's already made. All you have to do is say, yeah, I could do that. This is a way to propagate the gospel. You can invite your, your family, your cousins, your neighbor, your co-worker, someone that would probably never come to church. Invite them to your home. Let them see what's going on through the live stream. And if we ever get back to Wednesday night service, which we, hopefully we will, we could, we could establish a midweek home group time. Every, every, say, every Tuesday night or whatever. 
have, have like four or five different home groups where people go for fellowship and for teaching. I think somebody could do that in this church. Hello? Do something and do it well. Let me give you another example. We need a youth group leader. Well, we don't have any youth. Well, yeah, wait a minute. We have some of our kids downstairs that are getting to be 12, 13, 14 years old. They're going to need something. We need someone that has a burden to work with young people. Um, Is there a Gaius in the house that sees a need and begins to feed into it and to meet the need of the church? I think, I think, you know, uh, what about this? You know, do something. Here's something for, for some of you that can't do any of what I just said. You could be faithfully, oh, here we go, in church on a Sunday morning. Just, that's what you do. Remember the day when that's what we did? We didn't think about a million other things we had to do on Sunday. No, we went to church on Sunday. Well, you're all here, so I'm not speaking to you. <laughs> but tell somebody, do something. You know what this something is? Go to church. Go to church. Listen, I, I, I had a dream last night. Pamela will tell you. Every now and then I have these weird dreams, scary dreams. And uh, I'm not going into the detail, but uh, I, I was laying in bed and someone was out to get me. <laughs> And I was feeling it coming. I, I could see the person. And then he went away. Then he came back with another person. The first person went away. The second person was still there. And then the light went out. And I got scared. I started, I started yelling and screaming. And I woke up. Ah! And Pam, bless your heart, Pam. She, she's afraid because uh, sometimes I'll, I'll attack her by mistake. <laughs> but anyway... I don't know if I'm making too much out of this. What I'm saying is, this is a Saturday night before Sunday. You know Sunday's the most important day for a pastor? I don't need that in my head. But I'll tell you what, when I see people coming to church supporting the work of God, it blesses my heart. Maybe I'm thinking, what if nobody comes? What if I'm all alone? What if someone's out to get me or something? And I don't know, but, but you could just make a decision. I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do for the church. I'm going to be there. How does that sound? I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be there at the 6 o'clock live stream to pray. Now, I I don't have eyes through the computer. I don't know what everyone's doing at home. But there's 20 people on there, 25 people on there. I hope that everyone's praying. I mean, it's a powerful time of prayer, if you ask me. But see, what can you do? You can be on that live stream. Be supportive. You You could be dependable, be consistent, be committed. Every great church needs people like that. So number one, if you want to be Gaius-like, figure out what to do and do it well and do it faithfully. If you have any thoughts about what I mentioned about those other ministries, please let me know. Number two is this. Let your faithfulness be made known. See, in verse number six, I love how it's worded, but the church was bearing witness. They understood that Gaius' testimony was genuine. They knew him. They appreciated him. And he wasn't braggadocious. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about calling attention to himself. It wasn't about uh, him getting a name. It was about the Lord and, and the work of the Lord. But see, the church should know that you're faithful, that you could be counted on. The church should know when there's a church service, you're in the house or on the live stream. There's a Zoom meeting, you're there. There's a special event, you know, you're there. Next Sunday night, I don't know if you could make it. But I, I don't know if I'm just old school, but you know what? A Sunday night at 6 o'clock to worship God sounds pretty good to me. After two years of not being in the house of God on a Sunday night at 6 o'clock, it sounds real good to me. I hope it sounds good to you. But I I think culturally, we've kind of drifted away from the way things were like that. I think we have. And so now we're trying to resurrect the idea. What if this whole pandemic totally goes away? Like 100%. It's not an issue anymore. Then what are we going to do? We're starting all over again from scratch. And we are, in a sense, rebuilding the church right now. But 
But see, let, what I'm saying is let your faithfulness be made known. Not for your glory. Absolutely not. It's for his glory. Oh, I can think back in my life, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I think back here in Haverhill. Brother Sheldon was always in the house. Brother Willis, always in the house. Brother Stan, always here. Faithful, praying people. Let your faith, and we all knew it. We all appreciated it. We all respected it. But you know what? Now it's your turn to step up. Somebody's got to step up. Those dear people are with the Lord now. They don't want to come back here. But now we have to step up and take on that mantle. Let your faithfulness be made known. Does anybody know that you care? Does anybody know that you're involved? Does anybody know that you love them? Good question. Jesus said it best. Don't put your light under a basket where no one could see it, but let your, put your light on a lampstand. It'll fill the whole house. He said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and not glorify you, but glorify your Father in heaven. It's not about bringing attention to ourselves. It's about glorifying the Lord through what we do. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 2, verse 12. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, or the non-believers, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, when those non-believers see you and your good works and your light is shining, you're not hiding it. You're not boasting it, but you're living it. They see your light. They come to know Christ through your testimony, and they will be with the Lord in the day of the visit when Jesus comes back. So John here is comfortable enough with Gaius in verse number 6 to say to him, look, I know you're faithful. I know you're good. I I know you have good works and everyone respects you. That's why he felt comfortable asking him, when these people come through, do the right thing. Do well and bless them. How important it is for a church to have people that we could depend on to do something. So you may get a phone call. Hey, can you uh, go visit somebody, go pray for somebody, or can you go to the store and pick up some food for somebody or whatever, drop it off? Can you pick someone up for church in the morning? So I, I, I need to know who's faithful. Who can I call on to do those types of things? So let your faithfulness be made known. The last one, the final one is this, verse number eight where John says, we therefore ought to receive or support such people that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Uh, Jesus said it best. He said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Matthew 9. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, commit these truths to faithful men that are able to teach. Every church is always looking for workers and I, I, you know, we share these stories where someone wants to be involved in the church and what they want to do is they want to preach on a Sunday. And I've said many times, I'm the preacher, you know, sorry, but God called me to be the pastor and the preacher here, maybe every now and then, but I got a whole lot of other things that you could do in the church. And many times people say, no, no, I, I don't do that. And I say, man, we will never build a church with that attitude. Whatever we can do, join the ranks. Be a fellow worker with us for Christ. And let's see what God will do. Here, uh, John, is, uh, John is saying, um, you know, help these people get on the, on the road, on, onto their place of ministry, and become a fellow worker with them. In other words, with them also, with all the other people that you helped. So I want to invite you, church, to enter into my labors. Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Tuesday and Thursday talk. Does everyone know what Tuesday and Thursday talk is? I know it's in the middle of the day. Everyone can't make it. We have a faithful following of maybe 10 people. But I I don't want to stop doing it. Among other things, it's a blessing to my grandchildren that are with me in this thing. Some people write me and they say, that's amazing. You have your grandkids ministering with you. I said, well, actually, 
I'm ministering with them at this point. They're, they're taking the lead. But see, this is something that the church... I want you to enter into my labors. This is a labor. Every Tuesday, every Thursday, that's what I do. And we don't just wing it. I mean, we, we talk about it. We try to prepare for it the best we can. But it's a labor of love to do it. So I don't know if you could... I'm not saying yeah, everyone has to join, but tell people about it. Let people know about it. Maybe we'll catch somebody that way. Wednesday night in the Word, what a great time of study. I don't know about anybody else. I enjoy it. I'm over there all by myself for an hour, just talking my head off, hoping somebody is listening to me. I think they're listening. But I want you to enter into my labors. That hour of, well, it's actually 45 minutes of study takes about three or four hours to prepare. That's my labor. That's what I do. I don't wing that at all. I could never wing Daniel. Forget it. So I want you to enter into my labors. I want you to, I invite you to enter into the overall labors of the church. I uh, remember, I don't know if they're still doing it, they probably are, but Brooklyn Tabernacle, every Tuesday night would have a prayer meeting, 7 o'clock. Brooklyn Tabernacle is huge in Brooklyn, New York. But anyway, we went there a few times. And uh, every now and then we try to have a, 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 it was on a Tuesday, we try to have a midweek prayer time. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why it's not contagious. But anyway, every Monday night we have a team of people praying here. Bill and Esther Larios headed up. Every Monday night at 6.30 for an hour or longer. We've been doing it for 10 years. It's still a handful of people. I still think that that group is the backbone of this church. But can you enter into the labor of the church? We're doing this for this fellowship to make a difference. If you can't be here, pray for those dear people that are praying. Enter in, or maybe tell, tell Bill or somebody you appreciate them praying. Um, when you get the emails, the prayer request, sent one out this week, a lot of prayer requests. I don't know what. One, one person told me when he gets the, the, anything from New Life, he sees it, he clicks on the little thing and deletes it. Doesn't even read it. He said, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I said, come on. Why? Oh, I'm too busy. I got this. I said, come on. That's a labor that we do. Those emails take me forever to put together. I'm just saying. When you get them, I, I beseech you, pray for those people. We don't send it out there just to send out an email. I'm, 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 I'm begging you, pray for those people. They need our prayers. They're entrusting us to pray for them, their needs. They, they believe we are. How could we not? <laughs> if you have a need, many of you let me know. I put it out there. We expect people to be praying for you. I just encourage you to enter into the labor. Gaius entered into the labor. He saw the bigger picture. He could have said, hey, John, I don't have time for that. There's none of that in here. Like Diotrephes, we had, we had another problem. But Gaius, man, lay it on me. I'm, I'm here to help. I'm here. I'm, I'm part of the, the movement here. So I, I want to invite you to help rebuild this fellowship. Yeah, we were hurt by the pandemic. We were hurt by the deaths in the church. We had that little time a few weeks ago where we honored those that passed away over the past two years. Some were hurt by, we were hurt by people relocating and some people just falling away. I want to ask you, enter into our labors. I want to ask you, you don't have to come to church to do it. Just pray for souls. Pray for the city of Haverhill. Pray for the city where you live. Pray that God would move where you live. That God would begin by the work of the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin. And we won't have to, uh, we can't force anyone, but people will drive by or hear about the church or, or hear about your witness and your testimony and they will want what you have. But enter into the labors. I don't know, I, I, I hear the news all the time. There is so much crime and brokenness and hardship and pain right in Haverhill. It's all over the place. It's, the church needs to rise up. 
I'm asking you, enter into the labor. Pray for souls. Pray for the Holy Spirit to move. Pray for the same moving of the Spirit that allowed you to become aware that you needed God. Do you remember that time? When all of a sudden, whatever's going on in your life, you recognize your need of God. How did that happen? I'll guarantee you someone was praying for you. Someone was asking, Lord, touch that person who I love with the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, we woke up. Now it's our turn. We need to pray, Lord God, release your Holy Spirit. Touch people that are struggling, that are hurting, that are successful and lost without you. And how about this? Can you invite somebody to church? Are those days over? I don't know. Am I old school to think that maybe your neighbor, maybe the guy you see at work or whatever, maybe an invitation might be well received? I, I, you know, I'd be willing to say maybe somebody's waiting for the invitation. Like my friend Michael, yeah, I told you my story. My friend Michael, I ministered, I didn't minister, I just befriended him after many years. And finally, he was very sick. Uh, finally, after a couple of months of talking with him, I said, Michael, you know, we're talking about Jesus. I said, would you like to receive Jesus? He said, Rick, I've been waiting for you to ask me. I said, really? I bet there's somebody in your life that's waiting for the invite. Maybe you could say, can I pray for you? It doesn't have to be a monumentally long prayer. Say, Lord God, touch my friend, bless him, give him guidance. Can you invite people to the live stream? Can you share it on your page? I always say, hit the share button. I don't know. Encourage, support one another. Be positive, be hopeful, be encouraging. Is there a Gaius in the house? See, this is what I mean. This example is a great example of how we all should be. He was invested. He was connected. He was doing for the kingdom of God as opposed to Diotrephes. And, and, you know, there are some diatrophies in churches today. And what a sad situation it is. But may the Gaiuses rise up and outshine the diatrophies in the churches today. So just in summary, in conclusion, is there a Gaius in the house? I would say, I would put it like this. Discover your, and, and contribute your gifts to the cause of Christ. Do something. Contribute something. Let your light shine. Not to bring a pat on the back to you, but to give glory to God through your life. You know, when we go to New York, sometimes I meet up with my old friends, and I, I may have shared this, but the last time I was down, well, two times ago, we went out for breakfast, and uh, before we all went home, I said, so listen, How's your spiritual life? And they said, well, what, what? Said, How's your spiritual life? Oh, and we got into a whole other half hour discussion. I just want to plant a seed that, you know what, somebody cares about your spiritual life. You can do that in your circle. I'm not in that circle. I'm in a different circle. But you have a, everyone has a circle. You can say things in your circle. And God wants to use you that way. And I would say, join the team. Become a fellow worker. Yeah, through your giving, yeah. This, this could be a sermon about giving, too. It could be a sermon about missions, Esther, you know. He was supporting missionaries. But I think we would be correct in saying he, he probably prayed for people. He probably spoke words of encouragement. He probably volunteered to do things. And we can too. I really think it's time to start some new ministries, like I said. The home group, maybe. Evangelism team. It's not hard. I'll, I'll, I'll meet with you to get you established. Youth group, whatever. Can we stand together? So 3 John 1, 5 and 6, it says this, Beloved, 
you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. There is so much in that verse and a half. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. Can you say it with me? Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. little chorus on my heart, and I think it's really appropriate. Let's make it a prayer. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are the question and nobody's going to see except me and the Lord okay so I I do want to see is there a Gaius in the house raise your hand if it's possible with you is it possible with you you could be a Gaius I'm not getting the response I'm looking for church is there a Gaius in that? Is there a possibly a Gaius in the Hallelujah. house? Hallelujah. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help Did us, I preach Lord for an Jesus. hour for Move nothing? Us, Lord Jesus. Move is us, there a, Jesus. the possibility of a Help Gaius us, in the Jesus. house? Every hand is up now. Thank you. Thank you. Let me... Let me say that every head bowed. Pastor Wayne shared an analogy that that brush, they called it a gunk brush. Can I tell you something? We'll never be a Gaius with gunk in our lives. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder if there's some of us here that have too much gunk going on. We can't even see through the, the forest. We can't even see because we're loaded with our own stuff. It's time to lay that down, church. Allow the blood of Jesus to wash over all of us. Some of us are simply too comfortable. We need to be shaken up. And, and, and we pray it won't take a tragedy to make that happen, but sometimes that is the case. I'm going to pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, raise up some Gaiuses here in a new way, in a different way. Lord, there's so much that can be done to advance your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that the harvest is definitely plentiful. There are thousands of souls that need salvation. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. We pray, Lord, for Gaius to arise, to rise up, to get plugged in, to get creative, to discover their gifts and talents and discover their true passion for the things of God and to step out and do something and do it well for the kingdom of God. Lord, it reminds me that 
you had said, uh, after you spoke, you said, when the Son of Man comes back, will he really find faith on the earth? Lord, help us to be faithful to the call, to be faithful until you burst on the scene. Help us, Lord, to be passionate about the things of God as we were in the beginning of our salvation for many of us. So, Lord, renew that love. Renew that first love for us. So I pray, Lord, for the church to sense your blessing, not only your blessing, but your empowerment to make a difference. I pray, Lord, this year is half over. Half over already. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that your presence would be felt every single time we gather in this room. Your presence would be obvious. And Lord, not only here, but every church in town that's proclaiming the word of God, may your presence bring life and hope and direction to the churches. And Lord, as we leave here today, every week as we leave let us have a missions, a missions mindset. The mission field may be across the ocean, but it may be across the street as well. Let us be a light. Let us be a servant for your glory. So, Lord, use this message the way you want. I, I felt like I've been obedient to what you wanted me to say today. Let your will be done. I'm finished. The Lord, be glorified through it. We thank you. We praise you for it. Lord, bless our afternoon. Bless our Father's Day. Bless our time in prayer tonight and tomorrow night and throughout the week, different things. And Lord, may next Sunday be a glorious Sunday in the house of God. Be with our brother Doug. Prepare his heart for a, a message that will bring conviction and hope both at the same time. Bless our our our, our, uh, our pizza with the pastor. Bless our worship night next Sunday. All for your glory, oh God. We thank you that we could be a part of what you're doing. This we pray. Hallelujah. This we pray and we entrust into your care in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Doug, maybe you could lead us in another. If you got to go, God bless you.